and we're Kerber's Kids. The Kids Talk, your monthly graphic novel review. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we profile the June 2020 Western Comics Month selection on Kirby's Kids, Shona Hex, Shadows West, blending horror with the Western. So again, who better than Doc to bring in here to help me review this Graphic novel of the month. Doc, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Angus? I'm so glad to be part of this run of Jonah Hex. Oh, yeah. It's outstanding. And, Doc, I got to give credit where credit's due. When I was making up the 2020 reading list for Kirby's Kids, you made the very astute recommendation of, hey, look, if you're looking to do a Western, do Lansdale's run of Jonah Hex because it is a different animal and it is really really creative and man could you not be more on the mark with that recommendation so thank you and because of that recommendation we've brought you in here for the review for folks jonah hex shadows west is a collection of joe r lansdale the writer and artist timothy truman's work for vertigo comics it essentially chronicles their three major story arc run of jonah hex First story being Jonah Hex Two-Gun Mojo, which was a five-issue limited series. Jonah Hex Riders of the Worm and such, which was, again, another five-issue limited series. And Jonah Hex Shadows West, which was a three-issue limited series, all compiled into a wonderful tome, which was published as a collection on April 15th, 2014. Well, Doc, as you well know, we first are going to go and dive into a little Kirby Colonel, a kernel of knowledge about our namesake, Jack. Hey, Wilford, fire up the tractor. Time to harvest another Kirby Colonel. All right, in today's Kirby Colonel, we're talking Jack Kirby Western comics. And of course, Western comics had their heyday in the 1950s and 60s, particularly in the 50s once the comics code was initiated. And these ended up being the bread and butter, along with romance comics of all things, that Jack sunk his teeth into, not only to survive as a professional artist in the comic book industry, but then eventually to survive and then thrive in the heyday of the superheroes, which would come along in the early to mid-60s with the Fantastic Four and just the explosion of all of those iconic characters that we've grown to know and love. Now, over on the Western side of the house, Kirby in the 50s and 60s was drawing for Kid Colt Outlaw, the Rawhide Kid, which happens to be our comic book character of the month for June, being Western Comics Month, Two-Gun Kid, and Gunsmoke Western. So Jack had his hand really deep into Western comics, not only as a creative force, but really for practical purposes, Doc, in order for him to continue to make a living in his profession. And of course, also surviving along those times would end up being Stan Lee, and they collaborated on many of those titles as they were mainly Marvel titles. So with that, you can view many of Jack's fine works, particularly his covers over at the kirbymuseum.org. Just place into that search Western comics and it brings up a treasure trove of a lot of Jack's beautiful work. And if you wish to view those works, I would highly encourage you to hop on board. If you haven't done this already, by the time you're listening to us review Shadows West, Take a look at those Rawhide Kid selections for the month of June to see Jack Kirby in his Western comics finest. So let's, Doc, now head on over and for a little creative chatter about our writer, Joe R. Lansdale, and our artist, Timothy Truman. 
ever is this artist and this writer. I must meet them. Creative chatter. All right, now over in a little creative chatter, Joe R. Lansdale, our writer, is a storyteller who, Doc, this one blew me away. His mother had an 11th grade education. His dad was illiterate, and they wanted to make sure their son could read. So they decided at a very young age to buy comics and give them to Joe. Joe literally learned how to read in a poor section of East Texas by reading comics. And by the age of four or five, he was reading. He then went on to start reading Edgar Rice Burroughs at age nine, in particular, John Carter of Mars, along with the Iliad. That then spurred on his desire to write poetry and really begin his creative juices flowing. Now, once he entered into his adult life, he has written over 45 novels, published 30 short story collections, along with many chapter books and comic book adaptations. Of course, we're reviewing Jonah Hex here. He's also done work on Batman. He has been bestowed with so many awards. He's won 10 Bram Stoker Awards, British Fantasy Award, Edgar Award, World Horror Convention Grandmaster Award, Sugar Prize, a Grin Zane Cavour Prize for Literature, a Spur Award. I mean, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. He is also the writer-in-residence at the Stephen F. Austin State University in Nogadoches, Texas. A really accomplished author who has dipped his feet into the following genres, crime novels, detective novels, thrillers, horror, science fiction, and then, of course, superhero comics on top of all of that. I mean, just a prolific producer of content over his career. And he really takes a blue-collar approach to his writing style and work. Every day, he wakes up and at a bare minimum writes three to five pages and does not leave his desk until that is done. He says typically that takes him between three to five hours and then the rest of the day is his. Now, if the muse grabs him, he'll crank out 15 pages. By disciplining himself on a daily basis to produce that volume of work, some of it's good, some of it needs some refinement, but it ultimately makes us understand how large that yield is that he is able to accomplish. Those novels, the graphic novels and the comics work, has also led to script writing, particularly for TV series. He contributed to Batman the Animated Series, and he really started to dip his pen into that world too. Not much more can be said about Joe R. Lansdale than this guy is a juggernaut as far as production is concerned, and really having Doc developed his own voice. And his own voice is... Lansdale. And what is Lansdale? He has an amazing ability to blend horror and comedy together where it does not come off as being kitschy or gimmicky, but very effective. Very few are able to pull that off. I think only one other person that I've read, Doc, I feel truly effectively pulls that off, and that's Stephen King. I mean, come on, that's Stephen King for crying out loud. So yeah, so when Lansdale and King are said in the same breath, you know you're talking about a major talent here. Lansdale, he does so many different genres and he does them so well. I really love his, I haven't read all of them, but the ones that I've read, I really enjoy his, uh, his more of his like crime thrillers. He does a really good job of creating a really cool atmosphere in his books the characters are like you said they're not these larger than life sometimes they are but for the most part they're not larger than life they're just people that you could actually run into every day kind of deal one press particularly that he publishes for it's called subterranean press they're known for kind of having like these dark mysteries suspense and horror kind of all blended together and he published a couple books there one's a series and it skates uh, off the top of my head for the minute but it's a it's a great series of books that it, it's kind of bizarre almost surreal in some ways but then also also grounded and how he blends all that together and makes it like totally digestible and believable it's definitely a master of his craft for sure yeah and the other thing i'll point out about lansdale too is that he loves to break convention in his characters that he uses prime example of that is hap and leonard his Hap and Leonard series of 10 novels and four novellas and three short story collections. Hap Collins, okay, here is a white working class laborer 
in his mid-40s who once protested against the war in Vietnam. So here we go. The working class guy from the streets, which, by the way, he, meaning Lansdale, completely relates to because that was his dad. That was his mom's upbringing. And Joe never finished college. He started college, never finished it, and was actually a janitor at one point over at Stephen F. Austin, which now he's the writer in residence. This is very, very true, authentic writing from Lansdale's perspective. Then he pairs that character up with a Vietnam veteran. His name is Leonard. He happens to be African-American and he's gay. So, whoa, okay. Talk about a rich environment for these two characters to have open and honest and and truthful discussions about racism, ignorance, urban and rural deprivation, government corruption. I mean, Lansdale, to his credit, really voices these characters effectively. They come across credibly, and you as a reader become highly empathetic to their life journeys. And, you know, that is a real talent as an author to be able to develop that kind of authenticity with your characters. It is. It says something for his his skill. And you know, this it's not something that obviously part of him, he's a natural writer, but I mean this was this is this has come from, like he said, being very disciplined with his craft. And he's he's doing it every day. It's not something that Oh, I feel like maybe, yeah, I don't feel like writing today. It's really nice out. Let's go outside, you know, and things like that. So he really put his time in and it shows in his work because he's, and I haven't by, by any means, I have not read or seen everything that he's been involved with, but the ones that I've seen, I've always really enjoyed fully. I thought it's always really well-written. We're going to, we're going to get to it eventually. So I'm going to bring it up now, but Bubba Hotep, good Lord. That is one of the most enjoyable books and adaptations that Don Coscarelli did. I absolutely love both versions of that. And I think the the movie does such a great job. Coscarelli really stayed true to the roots of the book. It's fantastic. Now, Doc, you also had the occasion, if I'm not mistaken, if not meeting Joe R. Lansdale in person, at least being able to observe him in person. Could you share some of those observations with the listeners i did i met him at a horror convention and uh he was there you know he just had his little he had his booth he had a couple of the like movie posters that he was involved with not too much of the comic book stuff was there because it was a horror convention good lord he was and i could say this about most of the people that i've met in the horror genre i, w- I went to a, quite a few of the conventions there for a while most of the people but joe lansdale really stood out as just being so down to earth like just like you described him that he he knows where his roots are he doesn't try to you know, ignore the fact that he comes from a very modest family. He embraces it. He he loves it. He he loves where he is now, and he is so generous with his fans. He he doesn't rush you by because he wants to get the next. You know, but he didn't. He wasn't even charging for pictures. He was just so thrilled, as he put it, that anybody wants my ugly picture. And so it was great. Most people were charging, you know, $20 a picture to stand with them. And he was just, no, go on through. I'll, I'll sign and I'll, you know, I'll take a picture with you. And it was, it was a really cool experience. And it's just, it's so nice to see that there's celebrities like that, that are at the top of their craft and they're still so rooted and they really appreciate and love their fans. Because let's face it, that's why that's why they're here. You know, they want to they want to make their fans happy, and you can see he really enjoys the fact that he loves the fact that he has a following and that people love his work. Yeah, he exactly, Doc. You you just said it all right there. So let's turn our attention to the second part of this dynamic duo, Timothy Truman. Timothy Truman is a 1981 Kubert school graduate. He's an original artist of both mainstream and independent comic books. He began his career doing backup stories in DC's Sergeant Rock. Oh, okay. There we go. In the independent scene, Truman introduced the character Grimjack, co-created with John Ostrander in the Star Slayer anthology in 1983. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's a continuation of the Mike Grell character. So that will be very interesting to check out. And of course, we're going to be covering Star Slayer here next month, or actually by the time folks listen to this, it would be this month here, July. The comic was a mixture of pulp fiction and science fiction. His other independent comic was the 1985 series Scout, a series set against the background of a post-Holocaust United States. Tim Truman continued his career for DC with the revival of the Hawkman character in Hawkworld. The creator's interest in the Western genre led him to write, draw, and self-publish the graphic novel Wilderness. He continued in the Western genre, teaming up with Lansdale and doing DC's Jonah Hex. And again, we're going to cover the three here that he participated with 
with Joe on. They also did episodes of The Lone Ranger and Tonto for Topps Comics. He has also worked on Dark Horse's Star Wars comic series. So that's a pretty good background here for Truman to be bringing his skill set into and working with Lansdale on this comic. Yeah, they make a, they make a nice match. He also did, I believe that Truman also did a lot of work on various Conan titles, didn't he? With Dark Horse? Yes, I believe you are correct. And I think some of that, yeah, while well, he was over there working on Star Wars, when Dark Horse still had the licensing for Conan, he was indeed one of the artists there working on that series. And another one of my favorites that Truman did was Creature Commandos. That was a fun series, and I believe he was involved with the entire series. And that's that's just that's really that's really fun. And we kind of see them coming through. They they played a little bit into Final Crisis up to the build up everything. So it was they were they were a cool little creation as well. And he uh, he had his hand in there. Did a little bit of Martian Manhunter. Even did Green Lantern Annual, the Green Lantern that led in a Justice League of America little arc. Definitely has his fist in DC and lots of other really good publishers. Indeed, indeed. So Doc, I'm really chomping at the bit here. Let's head over to our literary aisle where we'll discuss Jonah Hex Shadows West. Arlando, there's our literary aisle. All right, now that we're on our literary aisle, Doc, as I had mentioned before in our intro, you essentially have three story arcs that have been put into this graphic novel tome covering the Lansdale and Truman years with the DC imprint here being Vertigo. Now, what's key to this, with this being a Vertigo imprint, the language is rather blue. It's frank. The subject matter and even some of the illustrations are definitely on the more mature side of the house. No doubt about that. But what's interesting is that that really gave both Lansdale and Truman a massive amount of creative freedom where they would put out these three story arcs, the first one being Two-Gun Mojo in 1993, the next one being Jonah Hex, Riders of the Worm and Such in 1995, and then finally Shadows West kind of capping it off in 1999. So, Doc, what in general terms... What were your impressions of these three story arcs and which one would you like to tackle first? The three story arcs I really like is they do embrace because Vertigo is also when you when you see a Vertigo title, you know, you're going to get more than just your typical kind of superhero that there's going to be something a little bit of dark darkness to it, something with edge, something, you know, even on the supernatural thing. And that's where I think Joe, Joe Lansdale was the perfect person to attack these i would say my favorite story was probably the second one the riders uh of the worm and such i enjoyed the hell out of all three of them to be honest but i really i really enjoyed that second one because there's a little bit of lovecraft influence in there that you can see shine through but i would say the, as far as pure writing goes and just real fun shadows west was probably the most fun as far as just uh the, the story itself didn't wasn't my favorite plot of the three, but the writing style and the bravado and the we really get to see the moral compass really come to light for Jonah Hex in that Shadows West. That's the third story. That's the three story arc. Yeah, Doc, I wholeheartedly endorse those comments there. And I will just say that for most folks, when they look at the Lansdale Truman run here of Jonah Hex, they immediately point to Two Gun Mojo because that is the most well received. And it was the first in 1993. It truly rode the crest, the wave, the excitement of the founding of Vertigo and was like, wow, wait a second. Hex is back. And whoa, Hex has even even darker tone. And whoa, he's embracing the horror. And wow, there's this comedic element to it. And it, I mean, it was a game changer. It truly was of taking that Jonah Hex character and really leaning deep into that weird West, that horror element of Jonah Hex as where Jonah Hex up to that point kind of teased at it. It was more of a pure Western with, with, with some macabre thrown in there as where this one leans heavy into the horror element and two gun mojo definitely is a, I'd say the most balanced book of all three in that regard. Now writers of the worm and such. Absolutely. It is love crafting goodness through and through. I mean, oh my word. And the other thing that that one has the distinguished differentiator on is this one. It was the most 
otherworldly, which you would get with Lovecraft, but was the weirdest of the Weird West in this one. It was like, wow, okay, I, I, I know I started out in a Western in this comic, but now I'm in subterranean, weird realm and here are all of these, you know, Lovecraftian Cthulhu-esque creatures that are looming here and essentially haunting the, the entire area in that town. And then finally, Shadows West, that third one, that dialogue back and forth was some pure comedic genius. I agree with you. The story arc itself was kind of, eh, okay, I've, I've kind of seen this before, spirits, spiritual creatures, and and, and those like, but man, that dialogue was the best. It's it, was, it had me, I mean, it had me really laughing out loud at some parts. It was really good, really good writing, really good writing. Oh, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, I was laughing so much, uh, I was nearly tearing up and, and, and needing to compose myself because I'm going, oh my gosh, that was just so on, it was so on point. I, I think we've done a very good job, actually, Doc, of not even spoiling any of these arcs. And I think I'd like to kind of keep it that way because these are such good story arcs. But as we go to Two Gun Mojo, for instance, what would you think, what do you think are the strengths of that particular story arc? So not getting into specifics, but for a reader in, in, in driving up their expectations when they're going to go read Two Gun Mojo, you know, how would you frame that one for them? Two Gun Mojo, I'm trying not to do any spoilers, it, it, it goes into definitely more of a, that supernatural horror element, and it comes about it like in a really cool, natural way. And I could say this about all three of the stories that the supernatural element blends, and this is to Lansdale's credit, it blends so well with the Western. He does such a nice job that he's not trying to fit this square peg into the round hole by, you know, I'm going to put, like, for example, the second story, I'm going to get these subterranean worms into this story, and it's going to fit. I mean, the way he develops it, it's so like he's just in the beginning of, like, Two-Gun Mojo. He's, he's coming back with a bounty. He comes to this town. And he sees these corpses and then everything, and it just, just happens. And again, I'm trying to be really careful with not giving away any spoilers or anything. But I think, I love the supernatural, the uh, the edge that he puts in each one of these. I think, it, I think it's perfect. And when I think the real strength to that, and I don't think Lansdale was writing it against this, but the series that was before Lansdale took over, it was just called Hex. And it ran for eight issues i believe 16 to 18 issues yeah in the 80s and it was it took hex and it put him in a post-apocalyptic world and i thought it was i thought it was terrible i didn't enjoy anything about it it was it was that forced square peg round hole kind of thing it they wanted to they use this character because it's a great character but i guess they didn't you know they didn't think westerns would sell or something so in the very first issue some kind of Time warp, or I forget what it was. They, it took him to this post-apocalyptic world. It just didn't, and it wasn't just me. A lot of people didn't gel with. So Lansdale brought him back to his Western roots. And he's like, he's not making any apologies. He goes, he is in the West. This is where he is. But there's more than just, you know, gunslinging going on. There's also these supernatural elements. And that's where I think the stories really grab you. Even if there wasn't a supernatural element, just the way that Lansdale was writing Hex, I think it would capture you anyway. Because it's, it's just so interesting. And what I really enjoy is watching this moral code because Jonah Hex is he's a bounty hunter. We don't get an origin story about why his face is all messed up. He's just a bounty hunter. One of the running gags throughout all three of these arcs is uh, people would ask, what happened to your face? And he would give a different answer every time. I cut myself shaving. I can't remember some of the other funnier ones, but he would always give a different explanation. None of them were true, of course. So I kind of like that mystery with uh, you don't know what happened to him, especially if this is the only hex that you're reading. But everything everything was just, just really well done. And then we get these cool explanations of the supernatural. It's not just he throws it in there and he doesn't feel like he needs to explain why it's, it's just supernatural. But we actually get a good explanation of, of what's going on in each story. So it's just, it's a really well done. We get Jonah Hex returned to his Western roots with some extra added elements in there. Yeah, Doc, I, I'd all, I, I would also add that in Two Gun Mojo at its heart, it, it's a zombie story. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, I, I, I don't even think it's a spoiler because we're not saying how they're involved. But just to give people a flavor, you, you've got zombies. And you got voodoo. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I, there it, it, exactly. And it's really not a spoiler. It, it's it's just topical as far as what it is. And he brings and he brings back Wild Bill Hickox. It's really cool. It had the his surrounding characters. I think that was in I can't remember which one. The real this was the old guy in the beginning that snored. I believe right in Two Gun Mojo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and one of the other. I believe it was. I think it was the last one. Slow Go Smith. Yes. 
<laughs> and he kicked him out because he was snoring. Yeah, and, and that and it just the story goes on. And each arc has some really, really cool, interesting character that he brings in. Some of them are just completely bizarre. Others of them are like are kind of compadres as much as Jonah Hex. He's not a uh, he's not a follower or somebody who teams up. But so we get as close to that as as Lansdale will allow. You know, so basically all the side characters are pretty cool. We get I really the love interest in writers. In the second arc, that was that was hilarious because I think he several times Hex describes her as a big bottom girl. So it was just it's just really it's really funny. Matter of fact, Doc, it, let, let's let's you know grab on to uh, Riders of the Worm and such for a second here because I, I think we covered uh, pretty well our first one with Two Gun Mojo. Now Riders of the Worm and such, we already mentioned that this really truly at its heart is a Lovecraftian tale. However, there are some very interesting elements to this. And this comic is notorious for having been involved in a major lawsuit. There are two characters in this story and their likenesses are very, very close to Edgar Winter and his brother, Johnny. And here they're called Edgar and Johnny Autumn. Now they sued, they sued DC Vertigo over the unauthorized use of their likenesses. Now mind you, they lost. Okay, they lost their lawsuit uh, because they said, hey, look, you know, your image is out there in the public domain. And, you know, technically these characters are named Autumn. You really, for for creative purposes, you, you just don't have a case here. So this comic for a period of time actually got hung up in being able to be distributed. And, and this was after it had already come out. So what I'm saying is being placed in other anthologies up until 2014, and they had taken care of all the lawsuit stuff. But yeah, you just ma- mentioned Brunhilde previously. And if this one really, again, boils down to a Lovecrafting tale, and I'll just leave it at that. I, I don't want to spoil this one, but I am in full agreement with you that this is the most unique application of the blending of a horror element into a Western comic that I've ever read. I mean, I was I was just like, what in the world is this? And it somehow worked, which is just the brilliance of Lansdale and Truman doing a highly credible job on both the dialogue and narrative and the visual storytelling to pull this thing off. It's masterful. And this will, this one is extremely reminiscent of the Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward movie Tremors. I mean, when I was reading it, it's the first thing I thought of. Granted, Tremors doesn't go as dark as this story does. It kind of stays a little bit more lighthearted with the, the big worms under the ground and everything. And even in the very, in the first issue of the Riders and the Such arc, I even was very reminded of of an old Clint Eastwood fistful of dollars when uh, Jonah uh, Hex puts a plate like I think it was I think he used a tombstone or something and so when people were shooting him he kept just getting knocked down and coming back up because he was basically using it as like a bulletproof vest and I reminded me of when the man with no name Clint Eastwood um, he put a steel plate and he did kind of the same thing so this one just is a lot of cool little um Oh, it reminds me of this. And, oh, I wonder if this influenced that movie. And and then, you know, you bring up the whole um, Johnny and Edgar Autumn thing. It, it's it's really cool. And this was by far my my most fun, I thought, out of out of the three stories. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. I, this was the most enjoyable of, of the three. And I liked all three. But the, the originality of this one just put it over the top. I mean, just completely put it over the top. Now, in Shadows West, the last uh, story arc, this one leans very heavy into the Wild West show trope that is often seen in Western comics. Done very effectively here. I I love Lansdale's spin on it all and fully embraces spirits in this one. So if you want to talk about the one that most embraces the the supernatural, uh, you know, the the spirits and in particular Native American spirits and, and and changelings and things of that nature. This is that type of a story for you. And it, but again, blended with the wild wet, the traveling Wild West show, and its strength being absolutely hilarious dialogue. <laughs> there really is. <laughs> there really is. It is. There is just. There's so many things. But you know what? I think. The, besides the witty dialogue, the, I think the real strength of Shadows West is we really get a firm idea of Hex's moral code because in all for for all things considered, 
he's just he's just a bounty hunter. He's just after, you know, he's after headcounts. And, you know, whether he brings them in dead or alive, most of the time it seems to be dead. So you wouldn't think he has much of a code, but we really see his code here, you know, that he is all about protecting the innocent. And if somebody he thinks has been unjustly treated or you know, or anything like that, he will he will come to the aid of the innocent. And I thought that was really awesome. It really comes through in Shadows West, uh, more so than the other two. It's there in the other two arcs, but it's really predominant in, in Shadows West. And I really like that. But the the writing, like you say, it's 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 hysterical. It will, it will have you very few times where I really get almost a belly laugh out of a comic book nowadays. But this one does this one did it. So it was really refreshing. Doc, I, I think we have put uh, enough platitudes here on Lansdale's writing and work. Why don't we turn our attention to the art? Truman's art here on all three of these story arcs. What were your general impressions and maybe what are some specific highlights that you really, really enjoyed? I really, really enjoyed the the artwork. I'm not gonna say it's some of my favorite artwork, but I really enjoyed it for for the for the tone and atmosphere of the of the stories. I think it's I think it's fantastic art. What it really reminds me of is the old horror comics, the EC, the Vault of Horror, all those things. It really I don't know why it really reminded me. You have like some straight lines with a lot of different color contrasting. Some of the colors are very vibrant, bigger than life, splashy, some so to speak. Uh, the creatures are you have some good detail in the creatures. I thought the art was great and the 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 drawing of Hex himself I think matched exactly how Lansdale wrote him. So I thought those two matched up perfectly. And you know what was really bizarre is like most people, when they hear of Hex, they think of that horrible scar, disfiguration. But the, the, the disfiguration is not really predominant when you're looking at Hex. It just kind of is, it's just another feature of his face, like his nose, his mouth, his hair. So it's not like the defining characteristic of him, which I thought was a kind of a cool approach to it. Because in like, like the movie, for example, that's like a big part of it. We see the origin story of Hex. Whereas Lansdale, these three arcs, we're not seeing that much of that that's the dominant thing that, oh, what's the mystery there? People ask and he gives them a different answer every time and that's where it is. But that's why I like that about the drawing of Hex himself. Yeah, this is definitely a unique and I think refreshing take on the Hex character. So for those who maybe grew up reading Hex back in the 70s, to then look at this Hex here, yeah, it, it, it'll take a bit of an adjustment for you. But I think that this Hex character and the way in which he's drawn perfectly fits this blending of horror and West vibe that they were trying to create this weird West vibe in the series. It just really well done by Truman. I also endorse your assessment that there is a loving tribute to the classic 50 horrors comics in the styling of all three of these story arcs. I even would say, you know, if you remove the coloring from the comic, you could just cut, paste, and throw it into some of those old EC titles and you none the wiser for it. And that is also a tribute to the great inking that took place for this comic because it did not lose any of the amazing detail that Truman had done in his penciling. It was that was extremely well done, and I know that they had an inker who was steady for all three of these series. It did an absolutely fantastic job with that. Matter of fact, I'm going to look up his name real quick here because I, you know, as I'm looking at these images even more, especially the creatures, Doc, the creatures are absolutely amazing, and I never felt that the artists took a panel off at all. There was detail in every one of these panels, whether that detail or focal points were actual creatures, whether they were people, whether they were scenes, scenery like building, town, object, whatever was intended to be the focal point truly did get a magnificent level of detail and uh, a, again, a real reverence for those 50s horror comics in the stylings. Yeah, they, that's that's what I enjoyed about it too. It was just, as soon as I, that first page, well, on the, I, I read it online, but that first page that I saw, it just immediately just took me back to the horror comic roots. And that was, it was, it was cool. Cause it was like, it kind of set the tone unintentionally because I know he's, you know, he was, 
he didn't write and draw these, assuming that you've read all the old, you know, horror comic of, um, comic books. But it was it, it, for me personally, it set a nice little tone and it, it followed through beautifully. You must say the, <laughs> I think one of the most comical things, drawing wise too, was in the. I'll just I won't do the whole spoiler, but the baby that was drawn in Shadows West. And I know who you know. I'm talking about the uh, the little um, the little baby. That's all I can say without spoiling it more than that. It was uh, it was very it was very comical, and it's like it kind of like kind of made you go, "Wow, that's that's odd. <laughs> that's a little interesting." <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was good. It was all I think. Uh, I think all worked. They were a good team together for for these uh, three arcs. Yeah, they were a fantastic team for these three arcs. And Sam Glantzman was actually the anchor for all of these and just did a phenomenal, phenomenal job on them. He truly preserved Tim Truman's detail. There's so many times, I mean, if you've got a sloppy anchor, the nuances and the detail from the pencilings can get lost. So uh, again, uh, kudos to Sam Glansman here for the fine inking job through all three of these stories. Just brilliant stuff. And again, Truman did a bang up job. And I understand why Lansdale and Truman worked so well together because they there was there was a chemistry here. And you get that as a reader in this comic. So Doc, overall, what would be your recommendation for Jonah Hex, Shadows West. Who would be the target reader for this? You know, what's age appropriate uh, for this particular title? Because again, it is a Vertigo imprint title. That is true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Age appropriate. I would say definitely not your early teens. Maybe maybe a little bit more. I don't want to sound too puritanical here because there's not there's not too much bad stuff, but there are some. You know, there are some things that parents may not be that thrilled about their their kids seeing. Honestly, the the least amount that you have to worry about is not a whole lot of gore or anything like that in these. There's some splashy pages. Uh, most of the violence is shooting Jonah Hex and his uh, and his trusty side piece. But if you're looking for a character that you've probably heard about but you don't really know much about and you don't know where to start with it. Instead of going back to the very beginning, this is a great, I think this is a great place to start because I think, and again, I've not read every Hex and Jonah Hex and all the different kinds of variations out there, but this, I can't imagine that there's a better story arc or a better run than what we get with Lansdale and Truman. So if you're looking for something new and fun, a little bit different with the, the Western, I will, I will admit, I have never been a huge fan of Westerns, whether they're movies, comic books, novels, all that kind of stuff. I've never been a huge fan. But this one, it, it immediately grabbed me. I really, I loved it. I loved the writing in it. Um, I just like the stories and how they all came together. So if you're looking for something a little bit different, I think it's, uh, I think it's the comic for you. Like I'll almost go to the point of saying, hey, this is the Western for folks who don't necessarily like Westerns. Give this one, this one a shot because it does blend not only the Western genre, but the horror and the comedy and it is just a luscious blend that is created here by both Lansdale and Truman. And with regard to age appropriate, that, that's again, parents' discretion. But it is more of a mature audience that should really honestly be taking this one in just because of the subject matter. I mean, may, maybe not even necessarily, I mean, because it all depends on where folks are with regard to dialogue, but just some of the some of the subject matter and stuff that's discussed here and, and done in actually some hilarious dialogue back and forth, particularly Shadows West. That should be heads, heads up. That's for a more mature audience, I do believe in general. So Doc, any last words with respect to Jonah Hex, Shadows West? You know, not specifically with, with Shadows West, but in, in general, putting Hex into more of the of the, the bigger landscape is that Jonah Hex was a uh, an important figure that, that took place during the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline as well. He, he was fighting the Shadow Demons. He was like standing by Cyborg and Firebrand, Johnny Thunder, Scion and everything. So he was, you know, he, he's not just the guy that's been floating around and what he's been part of some pretty big events in DC's history. But I really, I, I really enjoy with these three stories that we get this really a more mature version of Hex that goes back and kind of, I wouldn't say they try to delete you know, the, the story behind like that post-apocalyptic storyline, they definitely don't address it at all. But we're putting Hex back to where his strengths are. He's in the West. And sometimes you can't do stuff like 
make it with robots and things like that. But I think adding all these supernatural elements really makes these stories stand out. The writing, the art, and like we said, they're a perfect pair together. They really, they really click. And I think um, anybody who picks up these stories will have a really good time with them and find that you can't put them down. I found myself reading each arc in one sitting. It was, it was just so good. The stories flowed. There were some, some cliffhangers at the end of each issue as it went into the next one. So it really kept you going, and uh, it, was, it was just a load of fun. And Doc, just to add on to the DC universe multiverse tone there with Jonah Hex, if I'm not mistaken, he was also used in Blackest Night. I think he was reanimated as a zombie member of the Black Lantern Corps including wielding a power ring. So, I mean, the DC has really been fairly liberal here in their use of Jonah Hex. And, you know, I think another thing which is, is very timely right now is that in the origin story for Jonah Hex, which again is not covered at all, which actually I'm really thankful for, in, it's in this three-story arc, but I think is rather relevant, is that the Jonah Hex character was from Missouri, sold by his parents into slavery, to a Native American tribe, breaks free from that. The war breaks out between North and South. He gets wrapped up in the Confederacy, sees what's happening with regard to slavery in general, and basically turns himself into the Union Army because he can't tolerate the slavery that is going on that he finally gets exposed to. He himself having been sold into it and then observing the African-American or Black experience in slavery. But at the same time, he's still in those grays because of, you know, where he was geographically located. So from that standpoint, he's almost an embodiment of the complexity of the times, a refreshing one of a white character in comics actually standing up and saying, you know what, this whole slavery thing is wrong. Wanting to do the right thing, but also by turning himself into the Union Army, the Union Army not trusting anybody from the Confederacy, they figure out where his unit is and go out and slaughter them too. And it's a real interesting complex and in a lot of times nuanced character with Jonah Hex there's more literally than meets the eye with this character and I think it's why this character has endured so long within the DC pantheon of characters and you know once in a while gets a refresh and doc we were talking prior to going to air here about the Jonah Hex movie that you just took in why don't you share some of your reflections now having read this comic, this tome of these three story arcs, and perhaps was some of that flavor in that Jonah Hex film starring Josh Brolin, or was that more of an embracing of the character from its 70s traditional roots? Um, you know, it's there's nothing that I read, and I just watched it a couple days ago, nothing that I read would suggest that, well, definitely Lansdale, his name's not on any of it, so, but, and there's definitely not the supernatural horror element in the movie that there is in, in these particular arcs, but there is a supernatural. There is, it talks about, and I don't know if this origin is in tune with with the actual comic book so that would be great if, if somebody does know leave it leave a comic because i would love to know if it was similar that jonah hex was you know he was left for dead his wife and child were killed in front of him and the the villain in the movie was john malkovich just playing his typical very intense slightly over the top but held back i mean he was he was a great villain in this and uh, who and he is the one that that disfigured his face and it's fun in in the movie we get the same thing people maybe three times in the movie ask him what happened to his face and the same thing like in the comic he gives a different answer every time kind of just blowing it off the movie itself they, it does when he was left for dead he was found by a native american tribe and brought back to health and he was basically dead for a little bit and when he died, he made touch with the afterworld. And now he has this kind of power where he can talk to the dead. And which I thought was interesting because they did. I like how they had put one little supernatural element in there. And so he could, if somebody died, he can bring them back to life. And the person would be in great pain. So he could almost like interrogate them. And then he would he would release them from that pain by letting them die again. So it was kind of like his gift to them. And so I thought that was a kind of a, a good um, element. I remember when I first saw it, I never saw it in the theater, but I was very, I was kind of underwhelmed by it, but I remember enjoying it. And then when I watched it again, after reading Lansdale's run, I enjoyed it. I thought 
why didn't this movie do a little bit better? I, I thought Josh Brolin was amazing as Jonah Hex. I thought he, from who I pictured in Joe Lansdale's arcs, I thought Brolin did a fantastic job. Yes, when he talked, I heard Thanos a lot of times, but you know that's that's to be expected. I thought the movie was it was an interesting plot. They did have a couple different like kind of modern day little twist in there, but the the part that Angus brought up with how they did address that he and in the movie he discusses how yeah he fought on that side, but he was never for slavery. He was just against being controlled by the government. So he was basically fighting against government oppression. I don't think, I can't remember, but I don't believe he talked about turning himself in in the movie. But I mean, part of the part why he was villains, what, uh, John Nakovich, why he didn't like him when he did desert his troop, then the troop did get slaughtered. So, they, you know, there was that element. So it sounds like they did stay true to some of the comic book from um, from what I understand. But the the cast itself is worth is worth a look because it uh, it's just a really great cast on this movie. Besides Thanos himself, John Malkovich, Megan Fox was in it, Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Michael Shannon, even Jeffrey Dean Morgan has a little cameo. I don't think he was credited in it, but I saw him and I'm like, that's that's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I gotta go. And I looked him up and he was actually in it. One of Tom Wopat, who was part of the Starsky and Hutch. I know I'm dating myself here with that reference, but he was he played this kind of crazy colonel in there. Wes Bentley was in it, Aiden Quinn. I mean, just tons of names are in it so it's a strong cast and overall i think it's worth another another look if you're interested in jonah hex i would read some of the the comics first and then uh, give the movie a shot because it was it was fun it was nothing that's going to make you think afterwards or anything it, it was just a fun little action movie that i think really did and i think if it was released nowadays i think it might be a little bit more might have a little bit more of a better a better go than when it was first originally released yeah you know doc i've seen many of those attempts at putting comic book movies on the screens as an evolution. And I happen to agree with you. I think this is one of those characters that would be prime for a reintroduction and, you know, maybe perhaps a better reception would come from it, or at least stirring some dialogue if properly done. So from that standpoint, perhaps a noble attempt there by Josh Brolin and cast to give a reverential treatment to the history of the character for the first time up on the big screen. But this is definitely a character that could be brought back into the DC fold here to tell some stories moving forward. From that standpoint, thank you for that encapsulation because this actually has me interested in finally wanting to go watch the movie because frankly, I've just kept seeing these panning reviews and going, oh man, why do I want to spend my time on this? But I'm thankful to you that in preparation for us doing this episode you watched the movie and i love the assessment and folks we would again love to hear from you if you're going to take in that movie if you're also going to read here jonah hex shadows west and the other thing that i could point to and you can find this readily available out on youtube and that is the jonah hex motion comics two gun mojo it is a five chapter series which I, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Lansdowne was involved in the transitioning into the scripting for this. And it is a lot of fun because it takes those original images from the comic and animates them. It almost feels like the panels are leaping out at you when you're watching it. So I would highly encourage folks, after you've read Two Gun Mojo, go watch this. It's a blast. And the voiceover acting is extremely well done. Really, really well done. I did take that in prior to us recording here, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that one, because I think that's a blast. After you've read the comic, the graphic novel, go take that one in. It was really well done by DC. And I believe they did a whole series of these motion comics for different series within DC right around, what, 2010 or so, Doc? That was going strong? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. And they were, I, you know, and honestly, I have not seen many of them. Um, they've kind of slipped under my radar. But um, when you mentioned that, I was kind of looking up and yeah, it's around like that 2010. And there's, there's actually more than I thought of them out there. So I'll be, I think I, I think my next uh, couple of days are, uh, are set. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting, this was, you know, you could either chalk this up to, wow, this was great for, you know, DC Warner Brothers to embrace creativity, or you could say it was a brilliant marketing ploy. But many of the shorts, they would include on animated movie, DVD and Blu-ray packages. 
And I believe Jonah Hex was included on Batman under the Red Hood or something like that. Or I can't remember the specific ones, but, you know, that was the prime mover. And again, I believe some, but not all, because I looked for the Jonah Hex one over on the DC Universe app. That one's not over there yet. But I think some of these motion comics may be over there. But if not, I know for sure that you can find them up on YouTube right now. And they are definitely worth the view because the animation done on them, though minimalist, truly captures the flavor of the comic by animating those images out of those pages. And it, and again, DC does a really brilliant job in consistently getting great voice actors to do these things. Yeah, they do. They, do they have the, uh, the motion comics? Are they on the DC app at all? No, they're not on there? No, they are not on there. But I would not be surprised if they start to migrate that stuff over. I've only been able to find them outside of having to buy an animated Blu-ray or DVD and then being, you know, a, an additional thing that's on there to YouTube that they have shown up on YouTube that Warner Brothers has thrown them up on their YouTube account. But I can't imagine them not throwing them over there. And particularly when when you're trying to boost that DC Universe app, I would think they would try to mine as much legacy or archive content as possible to just put it over there. So I think it's just a matter of time, not an if, but a when, Doc. I agree because I just looked and they do have Watchmen motion comic the first season. So maybe they're, maybe that's the start of something good. That would be great. That would be great. Because I know in celebration of the anniversary of Watchmen, they went back and hauled all their archival goodness and made sure that it was over on the dc universe app so again i think it's a matter of when instead of if so doc with that being said we would love to hear from you if you have read jonah hex shadows west if you've taken in the jonah hex movie if you've then gone and watched the jonah hex motion comics two gun mojo please send us an email kirby's kids podcast at gmail.com or leave us a message on the anchor app Doc, thank you so much for riding on in and reviewing Jonah Hex Shadows West. It was a pleasure. I honestly I never thought I would enjoy a Western comic so much, but man, this just, this hit all the right spots. Hell, ain't you dead yet? Sounded like the racket was coming from the livery. Figured that'd be slow though. He wasn't snoring. He was shooting. Kids, kids. Exactly. Exactly.